0: Hi, and welcome to Healing Quest.
1: I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. Our focus here on Healing Quest is holistic natural health, and the latest in the new options to help us live longer, healthier, and happier.
0: I always like that happy part. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. This is, of course, swimming season, so we have for you today a health food suggestion that will help you stay in swimsuit shape and also deliver antioxidants, fiber for our GI tract, protein, and B vitamins. And those trace minerals that we just don't seem to get enough of, like iron, zinc, copper, and magnesium.
1: And this health food powerhouse delivers all of that at a very modest price, so you're going to want to stay tuned for what we found. We also have details on a new study from Australia about how an orange a day can protect our eyes and research from England on a new way to protect the health of our bones. So if any of you out there are dealing with osteoporosis, you'll want to make sure to stay tuned.
0: And we'll also dive deep into that amazing cave rescue in Thailand and how meditation turned out to be literally a lifesaver. So that's such a heartwarming story. But before we get to all that, we have big news on a very controversial issue on the nutrition front.
1: It's kind of heartwarming in a different way. Yes,
0: it is. (laughs) It's from a study by the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston, which unreservedly recommends full fat milk cheese, and butter, and in fact says certain types of dairy fat may help guard against a stroke.
1: So this flatly contradicts federal guidelines which recommend low-fat or no-fat dairy. The Texas study, in fact, says full-fat dairy does not increase the risk of heart disease and, in fact, may lower the risk of heart problems.
0: Well, researchers also pointed out that low-fat dairy products often include lots of added sugars, which, which we know lead to poor heart and metabolic health. So... The study's lead researchers say, quote, Our findings not only support but significantly strengthen the growing body of evidence which suggests that dairy fat, contrary to popular belief, does not increase the risk of heart disease or mortality in older adults. Well, we've been saying that for a long time, and so is our guest today. She's way ahead of this curve.
1: Exactly. The the study's author also says, quote, In addition to not contributing to death, the results suggest that one fatty acid present in dairy may lower the risk of death from cardiovascular disease, particularly from stroke.
0: The study evaluated data over a 22-year period and was funded by the National Institutes of Health and the National Heart and Lung and Blood Institute, it's a very big deal because for decades Americans have heard about how bad fats are for them, hence the low-fat,
1: no-fat craze. But increasingly the concept of healthy fats has been gaining traction and one national leader in that movement is the Weston A. Price Foundation based in Washington, D.C. Now over the years here at Healing Quest, we've relied on the foundation to provide us with facts about nutritional wise traditions. So now to help us better understand this major development, we're pleased to welcome the founder of the Weston A. Price Foundation, Sally Fallon Morrell, to Healing Quest.
2: Hi, Sally. Hi, thank you for having me. Lovely to talk to you both again.
1: I, I, we just can't resist saying, how hard is it for you to not say, you know, we told you so and we've been telling you so for decades.
2: How hard is it not to smirk? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Are you smirking on the radio? <laughs> well, you deserve to because you guys have been so far out ahead of this for so many years.
2: Well, one of the really great things about this study is they didn't use dietary questionnaires, which are very suspect. Typically, they come to a conclusion about what we should eat based on one or two questionnaires that they do, and they ask you how many servings of peaches you've had in the last week and how many (laughs) servings of this. Uh, First of all, they're very poorly designed, and the uh, participants tend to want to please the researchers, so Mm
1: -hmm. they're
2: very inaccurate, but this in this dairy fats we can tell exactly how much people are eating by taking a little biopsy of the, their own fat mm-hmm. and there's some special marker fatty acids in dairy fats that you don't find anywhere else so you can tell how much dairy fat somebody's been eating without asking <laughs> without asking them so that's one of the nice things about this study we know that the estimates of what people are how much dairy fat they've been eating have been accurate and you know i often point out that dairy fat the fat in milk is the fat in nature designed for the growth of all mammals everything from you know the the uh, monkey to the human to the reindeer they all need this fat to grow and be normal if you feed Growing children, uh, skim milk, low-fat uh, dairy foods, they will not grow right and probably will not reproduce. So how can something that's so good for growing children, how can it be bad for adults? You know, it just doesn't make sense.
1: So the 2015-2020 the, you know, Dietary Guidelines for Americans currently recommend serving fat-free or low-fat diaries. A dairy a low fat dairy <laughs> so who issues these, and what are the yeah. chances that those are going to be changed now?
2: well, I wonder uh, it's we 've been trying to change them for a long time. These come out of the marketing arm of the United States Department of Agriculture. They are designed to promote the products of commodity agriculture, and uh, they don 't need to promote dairy fats because. Um, they're easily sold to the public in the form of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Americans eat huge amounts of ice cream mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so starved for dairy fats. I think what is so tragic about this, these guidelines is that they're applied to children. So in school, they are not allowed to provide full-fat milk for growing children. Oh. Uh, they give them skim milk or very reduced fat milk or they give them these flavored milks which are made with powdered skim milk and contain more sugar than sodas Um, and and the low-fat dairy um, is very hard on the thyroid gland it's uh, very depressing to thyroid function so that combination of low-fat dairy and lots of sugar is a recipe for hypothyroidism and that's a recipe for overweight. And I think this is one of the main reasons we're seeing so much overweight in our children. Actually, it's because they're not getting enough fats, and especially not getting the dairy fats. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think you are an excellent point that, you know, if adults think that they should be drinking low-fat or skim milk or whatever, they don't tend to buy whole milk for the kids. They buy the milk that they're buying for the whole right. family.
2: Right, and they're told not to give whole milk to their children. Starting at the age 2 checkup for their child, they're told no more whole milk, and, you know, you give them uh, <sighs> reduced-fat milk, and no butter, uh, don't give them any eggs, low-fat yogurt, um you know, all these reduced-fat foods. And the the children and the adults are starving for fats, fats that the body needs, fats that carry critical vitamins for growing children and for adults. And so they're always hungry, Mm -hmm. and they're doing a lot of snacking and eating high-carb foods, uh, or or they're eating lots of ice cream where they're getting their dairy fats in combination with huge amounts of sugar.
1: If you're just joining us, I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhurst. You're listening to Healing Quest, and we're talking with Sally Fallon Morell, the CEO of the Weston A. Price Foundation, about big new research documenting the health benefits of full-fat milk, yogurt, cheese, and butter. Mm-hmm. So I know you've talked for years <clears throat> about the concept of healthy fats. Um, do you have a sense that... Obviously, we have a, a long way to go, but is that gaining traction? Do you think we're getting through to people?
2: Yes, it is gaining traction. Butter consumption is rising, okay. and that's sending the industry into fits because <laughs> they have kind of planned things around Americans not eating butter, not eating a lot of butter. Hmm. Um, you know, we we promote not only <clears throat> uh the dairy fats like butter but we promote the meat fats uh things like lard which is a very healthy fat wonderful source of vitamin D very stable and uh, full of special fats that are really good for your skin and your digestion and, we you know, we've just turned our backs on those, but they're coming back, too. Um, lots of people like, like us cook in lard now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I know we've talked a lot about grass-fed and pasture-raised as also yes. imp- an important component of this whole healthy fats concept.
2: Mm, it absolutely is. I mean, if your only choice is the supermarket, you know, regular butter, uh, that's still a very good choice for you. But ideally, the butter should be from cows on grass, and it will be much more nutritious if the cows are eating grass.
1: Now, I know you've just uh, written a new book called Nourishing Diets. I'm assuming that this is ground you're going to be covering in there.
2: I talk about the consumption of butterfat throughout Europe and Africa, uh, because the Africans were big consumers of whole milk for centuries. Hmm. So, uh, yes, but I really talk about the consumption of animal fats in all traditional cultures and how they were And I have to laugh. You know, they just published the last meal of the Iceman. They were able to analyze his stomach contents. This is the skeleton... Several thousand years old, found in Switzerland, and he it was his stomach was full of ibex fat, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he had a lot of fatty meat uh, as his last meal.
1: An That's ibex it. hamburger. The thought, <laughs> the mind reels.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sally, I have to ask about the book. Do you have recipes in the book?
2: I do, and the recipes in this book are really different. I mean, most in most of my books, I have. Recipes that are familiar to people, but I thought, well, I'm just going to challenge people in this book. So I have some really unusual. Uh, different recipes that would you know would be fun to try.
0: Are they are they time consuming?
2: Some are really quick and and some are a little bit more time okay. consuming.
0: Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Any last words you'd like to leave with our listeners, Sally?
2: Well, I just I think this study is great. It's just another piece of evidence. There's mounting evidence that this whole thing against dairy fats and meat fats and animal fats has been a terrible tragic mistake. Tragic in so many ways. I mean, these fats are necessary for brain health. They're necessary to protect us against cancer.
1: I guess the bottom line is, is kick the low-fat, no-fat craze.
2: Yes, and you want to see teeth marks in your butter. (laughs) Okay, we're going
0: to leave. We're going to leave. Say goodbye on that note. Okay. The teeth marks in your butter. You heard it here on Healing Quest from Sally Fallon Morell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today, Thanks. Sally. Thanks for having me. Take care. Up next in our show, we'll reveal the identity of a most unexpected health food powerhouse that can help you stay in swimsuit shape.
1: Hmm. And don't forget, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at kfpk.com and on our website at healingquest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhurst, And I'm
0: Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest on KFBK and
1: iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhurst. And I'm Judy Brooks.
0: And if you're just joining us, our focus is holistic wellness. And what that means is it's the latest in natural ways to help us all live healthier, happier, and uh,
1: longer, hopefully. In addition to that healthy fat study we just told you about, lots of other things are happening in the world of natural nutrition. So let's catch up on some of those. For example, there's an Australian study that just was released showing that an orange a day keeps macular degeneration away. Wow. The research is based on 15 years of data for more than 2,000 adults over the age of 50. That's
0: that's a lot of data.
1: It is well, yeah. 15 years.
0: Yeah, that's a long time. This is really exciting. Yeah. Because how hard is it to eat an orange a day? And we have experience with that because your mother had macular degeneration, and you know, you you, you lose your eyesight. It's
1: it's in the family. It's a, just a terrible thing. So let me tell you, I have I'm eating an orange a day ever <laughs> since. Researchers at the Westmead Institute for Medical Research say they've determined it's the powerful antioxidants called flavonoids in oranges that protect against macular degeneration.
0: Well, I guess the bottom line was eating an orange a day reduces the risk of debilitating eye disease by 60%. That caught my attention. You know, the scientists say even eating an orange just once a week helps – But the study
1: is uh,
0: one of the largest of its kind ever conducted on macular degeneration.
1: And then from England comes the tales on a new benefit of the famous Mediterranean diet. You know, that's the one that has you eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, olive oil, and fish.
0: Yes, that's right. The diet's already been shown to reduce the risk of heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Now researchers at the University of East Anglia say the Mediterranean diet can also help with bone loss in people with osteoporosis. Now, I found that to be a, a very exciting bit of news. You know, and
1: it's really pretty quick because they, their study found that adults between the ages of 65 and 79 on the diet had reduced bone loss in the hip in just 12 months, and that's a big benefit for those folks with osteoporosis.
0: Right, because uh, that bone loss, and especially the older you get, the faster you can yeah. you can lose your bone uh, density, I should say.
1: Right. So this is a diet rich in fruits. Vegetables, nuts, olive oil, and fish.
0: All the things we like. (laughs) I I like it. From Spain comes details on a new way to avoid cancer. Scientists at the Barcelona Institute for Global Health say dining before 9 p.m., and then waiting at least two hours after dinner before going to bed will lower your risk of breast and prostate cancer, which is big news. Now it's interesting. This comes from Spain, right. where they take siestas <laughs> in the afternoon, and you yes. know, and, people and, don't
1: go out to dinner uh, till nine. So.
0: No, I know. I think when we were there, we were like we went out. At eight, once, and there was nobody in the restaurant. It's just,
1: but still, it's interesting. You know, so I mean, the two
0: hours I think it's the two hours between eating and going to bed.
1: Right. Researchers say the timing of sleep affects our capacity to metabolize food. And this is said to be the first time anybody's tried to analyze the link between cancer and the timing of meals and sleep. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst.
0: And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest, and we're talking about natural nutrition, including the answer to that powerhouse weight loss and health food we've been promising.
1: It's great not only for weight loss, it also delivers antioxidants, fiber for our GI tract, and natural nutrients like protein, B vitamins and trace minerals including.
0: like the, like trace minerals are good because you know you know it's hard to find them things like iron and zinc and copper and magnesium exactly and, now you're and,
1: not gonna believe where where all this is coming from because we're talking about popcorn
0: and one of one of your favorite things <laughs> but
1: a big thing popcorn that's properly popped by which we mean air popped instead of using chemicals to heat the kernels.
0: In other words, instead of putting it into a microwave in one of those little bags. In one of those little bags. It's important because a report from the FDA indicates that the coating in the microwave popcorn bags breaks down when heated into a chemical substance that can be found to cause cancer in animals. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, there are probably are some popcorns out there that, that are healthier. Yeah, we found You're them. Gonna we're do... going
1: gonna to talk about that in a second. Right. I just, I just want to say, also, it's really important what you put on the popcorn. You know, at the movies, the butter, most of the so-called butter, most of us order, is actually partially hydrogenated soybean oil. Mm. Each tablespoon contains about 130 calories and a fair amount of trans fat which many experts consider the worst kind of fat you can eat because it raises your risk of heart attack and other health problems. So, yeah, it's not just any popcorn. you got to do it the right way.
0: Okay, so let's talk now about the properly popped equipment. (laughs) Hmm. That's possible to do in several ways. You know, at our house, we have a popper that looks like a standard six-quart pop for use on a stovetop. But it has uh, the top of it has a handle that mm-hmm. d- that keeps the kernels moving so you don't burn them, and and all you need to do is put a quarter cup of the kernels into the popper, turn on a burner, put the popper on top of it, and and spend a few minutes turning the handle until you hear the kernels stop popping, just like you you know just like
1: any way you make popcorn. These poppers go online for about nineteen dollars. Is that right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, good. I'm the one who looked it up online. (laughs) I know. I know a lot about this. Another option are popcorn servings that come in individual boxes so you can avoid the chemicals in the metal microwave products. Now I found several of these servings in a box or bag that are non-GMO and gluten-free in addition to being in chemical-free boxes.
0: But maybe and probably the easiest way to get healthy popcorn is the old paper bag method.
1: On YouTube, I found a helpful lesson from from Miss Terry Crucci, who puts a quarter cup of kernels in a brown paper lunch bag, folds the top of the bag over three or four times, and puts it in the microwave. You set the time for about two and a half minutes, and you just listen, as Judy was talking about, until you hear the popping mostly stop. Now, it's better to have a few unpopped kernels than burnt ones, so if you can fold a paper bag and push a microwave start button, you can air pop healthy popcorn
0: i guess But <laughs> you're still using a microwave and, and oh, that's to, true. Let me get into that be whole
1: thing maybe better to do the, yeah, the stovetop do top. it on the stovetop okay. if you can
0: so then uh, you can season your popcorn with sea salt we recommend selena naturally sea salt or or maybe lightly mist it with olive oil and 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 sprinkle some parmesan cheese on it or if you want butter flavor, you can also melt a little butter from grass-fed cows. Mm-hmm. We always recommend that. And mix it in with your popcorn to keep that health thing going. You know? Now,
1: if this sounds like some kind of work, uh, it is. But it's only a little bit of work. And boy, does it pay big dividends. Because the right kind of popcorn can be a healthy, low-calorie snack that one study found is more satisfying and filling than potato chips. Well,
0: I think potato chips would probably go into the junk food category. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah exactly.
1: You can't really... <laughs> Sally Morell calls them the pornographic. Food. That's right. Because your body is just uh, you know you just want that fat, and the way you can get it is from popcorn. Because popcorn is is a whole grain snack. That means the healthy, nutrient-dense bran and germ have not been processed out, which happens with refined grains.
0: Well, that's why refined grains like the flour used in uh, white bread you know lack nutrients like vitamins and minerals and healthy fats and protein and fiber. You don't find that in refined grains. You you lose all that. But properly popped popcorn retains all the healthy natural nutrients like protein, I think B vitamins, antioxidants, and the trace minerals that we talked about a few minutes ago. And and again, things like iron and zinc and copper and magnesium, those are
1: essential to our health. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important parts of the good stuff we get in popcorn is fiber because that helps food move through our digestive system. It regulates our use of sugars. It helps keep hunger and blood sugar in check. In fact, research shows that fiber can cut cholesterol, reduce the risk of heart disease and diabetes, and help prevent colon cancer. That's big. So fiber in our diet is a big issue because it's estimated that we're consuming only about half the recommended amount of dietary fiber that we need every day. So we're coming up fiber deficient here.
0: Okay, so popcorn is one easy way to help us get the fiber we need. And remember, when we said that fiber helps control hunger, that means it can help us lose weight and keep it off. So that's that's a good thing. So properly popped popcorn can also help us stay lean and healthy. Well, up next, we're going to find out how meditation can literally be a lifesaver. Stay tuned, and don't forget, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at kfbk.com or on our website at healingquest.tv.
1: And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhurst.
0: And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest on KFBK and iHeartRadio.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhart.
0: And I'm Judy Brooks. And if you're just joining us, our focus is holistic wellness, and that means the latest and natural ways to keep us all healthy. So we've talked often here about meditation, you know, and, and its benefits for our emotional fitness. But this week, we're talking about meditation as literally a, a lifesaver.
1: No, it's an amazing story. It's because of what we learned about the dramatic rescue from a cave in Thailand of those 12 members of a soccer team and their coach. What happened was that after practice, they decided to explore a nearby cave. Interesting. It's known as the Great Cave of the Sleeping Lady.
0: I think they woke her up.
1: They woke something up. A six-mile complex of narrow passageways winding through layers of limestone. Now, its twists and turns are easy to navigate when the tunnels are dry but very dangerous when it rains.
0: And so while the boys and their coach were deep inside the cave, a monsoon rains hit. It flooded parts of the cave and blocked their way out. And as the world knows by now, the 12 boys and their coach were rescued by an international team of specialized cave divers. Now, the boys were 11 to 17 years old and endured. Oh, my God, this is just... Amazing. Almost two weeks. Uh, almost two weeks in darkness with minimal food and, and, or, or fresh water. And their coach was a 25-year-old Buddhist monk from a nearby temple who rationed their food, and he and he sacrificed his own food as well. But what caught our attention was that he led the boys in long periods of deep meditation to conserve their energy and, I'm sure, to just keep despair yeah. at bay.
1: So in addition to the international rescue effort, the monk is being credited with saving the boys' lives, especially with those long periods of deep meditation. So to help us get a better understanding of the power of meditation in a situation like that, we've asked Michelle Bernhardt, our inner world guide, to join us on the phone from New York. Michelle is an author, intuitive and
0: spiritual teacher, and an expert on meditation. I think she's been teaching meditation for probably 30 years since she was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So Michelle, thanks for joining us today.
3: Hi, hi Judy, hi Roy. That is just such an unbelievably beautiful and inspiring story. I mean, scary and horrible too, but really yeah. uplifting. Oh, but right? uplifting, yes. I wanted to ask you because you said it, what was the name of the cave again?
1: The Great Cave of the Sleeping Lady.
3: Because I thought that was so interesting. And okay, and I'll tell you why. So, we're talking about meditation and meditation is very it's very much about receiving. We kind of go into this space where we get out of our heads, Mm -hmm. we rest. Mm -hmm. There's a resting period where we connect with the inner self and the inner light. Um, But it's it's where we get quiet and we stop doing, you know, and Mm -hmm. we just pause in that stillness so that we can receive something. Now, in our patriarchal society, that's not really honored. No. We're we we're, we we're, we're taught to do that in order to get something you have to do do keep going, whereas the other side the split to that the opposite is to pause and let something come to you to receive, mm-hmm. right? And that we we say is more of a feminine principle, right? So in meditation we're actually balancing both the masculine and the feminine, but. What I thought was so interesting is that the, a cave is feminine in nature. You know? It is, yes. Right? And so is the dark. Now, I want to remind right. everybody, it's not male and female. It's masculine and feminine, which we all have. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these young boys are in a very receptive place. They have to be receptive. It's quiet. I mean, it's dark. It's wet. These are all feminine things. And they're learning how to connect with their inner world, which is more feminine. You know, the outer is more masculine. You know, it's even our outer skin, like our arms, right? Mm-hmm. They're tougher, whereas the inner is more a different kind of uh, thing, so to speak. Anyway, I just thought it was fascinating, even the name of the cave. (laughs) Oh,
0: it it is fascinating. And you know, now I know that you've been teaching meditation for years, and there are many different types of meditation out there. uh, And I would say they're all good. They all kind of get you to the same place. What would you say to people about having a meditation practice?
3: I think it is probably one of the best things you could ever do. It's really like when you plug your you know, in your phone, you have to plug it in at night to recharge. Mm-hmm. That's what meditating is. Meditating reminds you of who you really are. It also heals things. It's like it's one of those great times where you can meditate and your life gets fixed without you. <laughs> really, you don't have to do anything. It's, you, you just have to be.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm Judy Brooks.
1: And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest. And we're talking with our inner world guide, Michelle Bernhardt, about the critical role that meditation played in the rescue of that soccer team and their coach from the flooded cave in Thailand.
0: Now, you know what you said once, I remember, Michelle, that uh, praying is like talking to God and meditation is like listening.
3: I didn't, I repeated it. A wise being said it. Okay. Well,
0: you're a wise <laughs> I can't being. I take too. credit
3: for that. But okay. It's very much true. It's like praying, we're talking to God, and when we meditate, we listen, we hear it. When you're meditating, all of a sudden, information comes to you. Not just information, your life can change. So, and it's, it is a practice so it's it's not always easy and uh, one of the things we talk about is that you were trying to still the mind and then as soon as you think you're supposed to not think you think everything <laughs> so it's not like that so there are many different ways to meditate and whatever works for the person is great and sometimes something works for a while and then you change some people do creative visualization mm-hmm. uh, or breathing or tm there's many different ways to meditate but even if, even if a beginner just starts to breathe, really focusing on the breath, breathing in through the nose like to the count of four and then out through the mouth through the count of five or out through the nose. It depends on the person, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also making sounds before you meditate can help somebody kind of relax.
2: Oh, or sounding. Working
3: out, like or working out before they meditate if they're very high strung.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, the, the other thing is, I think people don't always realize that meditation can be a walking meditation. It doesn't have to be sitting and meditating. I mean, there are different kinds. I've meditated off and on for years, but I have been told that for me, sometimes walking meditation would be good because I'm actually active doing something and my mind can kind of slow down a little bit. So, that's
3: yes. I think there are all kinds of meditations, and the biggest thing is to not judge it. Mm. And even if you're not, even if you're not having the best time and feel like you're you're wrestling with yourself, that's still meditating. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this idea that I'm only meditating if it's fantastically wonderful and I'm. I don't, and I'm <laughs> in this space. There are times where we have that, but that's grace. But the, you're still meditating. It's just like a workout. <laughs>
1: right. There was an interesting. Uh, Some interesting comments from the medical director of the Institute of Health and Healing in San Francisco, Jeff Drazen, about meditation. And he was saying, you know, one of the ways this works so good for those kids is because when you're anxious, your breath is shallow and you use muscles in your neck and you're burning calories. Well, if you, you don't have to be in more danger, but over time you feel like you're more in more danger, and meditation helps you just change all of that. He said, you know, this whole thing about sports people who say they're, they're locked in because they're doing so good. He said, in a meditative state, that's where you are. You're really locked in to just being relaxed.
3: Exactly. It's quite miraculous. It really is. I, I would encourage everybody to try it and, and to try different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, what I
0: would say. I, I, you know, I have to say, uh, uh, just on a personal note, uh, recently my sister told me that she's took a took a few classes at transcendental meditation, the TM, and is now doing that. And in just a couple of weeks, I have to tell you, her energy has changed so much. It's like I've never seen anything have a bigger impact on somebody than her meditating for a couple of weeks.
3: That's it, wonderful.
0: It is wonderful. It's just. It's just like another reminder, you know, and when, when you see it for yourself firsthand, you know, if she was dealing with some things where she was anxious and now she's she's not. I mean, it's just really kind of remarkable.
3: Absolutely. That's Right. Mm-hmm. And, and people, some people, you know, a lot of people say you're supposed to sit and you can sit, you can sit on the floor, you can sit with your back straight against the chair on a chair, or you can lie down.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, and sometimes you go through all those different processes until you find one that really helps you go into that meditation.
0: And some people do open-eye meditation where they're focused on an object you know, or a candle or something. Yes. And others close their eyes and, and they see things that way.
1: So I guess yeah. one of the meanings is you don't have to be stuck in a cave to do this. A reminder <laughs> right. that. You know, <laughs> Thank you,
3: wife, for bringing us right back to where we really belong. <laughs> and exactly. there we are. Meditation
1: and, uh, <laughs> can, can be much simpler and doesn't really need a life-threatening situation because it can be a life-changing practice that, if you really get it into really
3: it. it. And and if if anybody's having a hard day or something's really troubling them or they can't figure it out, that's also a great time to just lie down or sit down and just start meditating.
0: Well, thank you. That's a great thought to leave our listeners with. So we're out of time. But thank you so much for joining us. And next week, you'll be on the show again, because it'll be almost August, and we'll be getting our August forecast. So Yay. yay, we get to talk to you two weeks in a row. Wonderful. I like that.
1: Thanks, Michelle. We've been speaking with our inner world guide, Michelle Bernhardt, about the role that meditation played in the rescue of that soccer team and their coach from the flooded cave in Thailand. And a reminder about the role it could play in all of our lives if we just take advantage of it.
0: It's always great to have Michelle's perspective on things. And, you know, like I said, I've known Michelle for for many years. And one of the things that she did for a long time was teach meditation. Mm-hmm. She meditates every day. And it makes a difference in her ability to be intuitive, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I think that really enhances that. And I find... I mean, the other day I was having a day where there was just a lot of things that were kind of not going the way I wanted them to. And I just sat myself down and meditated for 20 minutes. And I felt so much better. I mean, it's just kind of like a sweet uh, breeze mm-hmm. that just kind of floats over you and you, you kind of just relax. And I know you were talking about the uh, medical director. Yeah, at, Jeff
1: Drazen at, at Institute of Health and Healing in San Francisco, and we know those people. He had a great tip. If you're not a meditator, he said, well, one way to think about it, and it actually kind of echoes what Michelle was saying. He said, as you breathe into yourself, you say, receive. Mm-hmm. And as you breathe out, you say, release
0: those are good tips and you know a lot of people have a mantra yes indeed. and that's yes, what takes and ways. that's what takes them back so as soon as you find your mind wandering you just go back to your mantra go back to your breath or go back to that saying don't forget a podcast of this and other healing quest shows are available at kfbk and at healingquest.tv i'm judy brooks and
1: i'm roy walkenhorst and you're listening to healing quest on kfbk and iheart radio Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst, And
0: I'm Judy Brooks. And if you're just joining us, our focus is holistic wellness and the latest in natural ways to help all of us live longer, healthier, and happier. And one of our ongoing themes here at Healing Quest is the importance of maintaining a close connection with nature as a way of achieving optimum wellness. And this week, we have more evidence of that.
1: Boy, do we ever. It comes from the Barcelona Institute for Global Health and a big study on neighborhood green space and how that affects mental health. They found that people who live in greener neighborhoods maintain their cognitive functions better than folks who don't have as much greenery in their life.
0: Well, the research involved over 6,000 adults. That's a lot of adults, aged 45 to 68, who were evaluated repeatedly over a 10-year period. Again, that's a nice long period to really...
1: Very impressive research model. They were tested on verbal and mathematical reasoning, verbal fluency, and short-term memory. Neighborhood green space was determined using satellite images.
0: So they knew exactly where they were (laughs) focused. The results, as we said, showed that residents in greener neighborhoods retained their cognitive functions better than folks in areas with uh, fewer trees and grass and shrubs.
1: Well, scientists theorize that living near green spaces increases physical activity and social support. It reduces stress and mitigates exposure to noise and air pollution.
0: Well, the proportion of people over 60 in the world is expected to nearly double between now and 2050. So that's a lot of old people. (laughs) And I won't say old, but (laughs) elderly people, right? Okay. And the incidence of dementia is expected, of course, to grow at a, a similar pace. So researchers say... Uh, Natural ways to help keep our brains healthy are really urgently, urgently needed.
1: Well, the study was published in the journal Environmental Health Perspectives and echoes what we heard last week about research done in Denmark on the importance of natural surroundings to our mental health.
0: It also echoes research done here in Sacramento. And we've talked about that on the show on the big public health benefits of our green spaces as a result of the urban forest that covers most of Sacramento. And we have a lot of trees. We
1: also talked last week uh, about uh, SMUD's uh, free um,
0: tree sh- shade tree program.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Easy for me to say. Right.
0: <laughs> I think you haven't haven't had enough healthy fats.
1: Or the popcorn we talked about earlier. <laughs> All of the above.
0: <laughs> anyway, we actually had someone come out from the Sacramento Tree Foundation, uh, Rachel Patton. She's a community forester and she came out from the Sacramento Tree Foundation to our house yesterday right. just to see if there were any more shade trees that we that we needed. We really don't have room for much more, and I think we decided to go with some fruit trees. But.
1: Yeah, well, no, it was great to have her, but now we know where to plant them. We, we confirmed that it was good to plant them there and what we may need to do. And we also r- confirmed that a couple of the trees in our front yard, she says, are like four-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so they're,
0: but they're, they're going to be big.
1: Yeah, yeah. and they're going to be big, wonderful shade trees. So, you know, it's just good to, to know that you're doing the right thing, and it was great to just have somebody tell us, in our own space, how we can make that more effective, not only for our mental health, but the right fruit trees.
0: I just want to say, you know, really, the main reason SMUD gets involved is because if you have more shade trees, you can reduce your, your bill. Right. You know, your consumption. Mm-hmm. But I wanna say it was really easy. I mean, I just right. called them set up an appointment and they were out like in less than a week. And they're really eager to plant more trees. So if you you know, if you if you need more shade in your yard, you know, don't hesitate to call them. I mean it was a real easy thing to do and the, the one thing is they'll bring the tree to you, they'll give you the tree. You just have to plant it yourself. And finally, I'd like to continue the conversation we started last week about joy and what brings us joy and how we can create more joy in our lives. It, you know, it can feel pretty heavy at times. I mean, <laughs> there is a lot going on right now in our world, uh, and it's sometimes not very joyful. I mean, I think this is a tough week for a lot of people. Maybe I that's why usually... joy
1: is on so many people's minds. It
0: might be. It might be. And, uh, and so, you know, what I was saying last week is that, you know, we, we choose what we want to think about. You know, when we talked about uh, meditation earlier, you know, another thing that that the head of the Integrative Center at at the California Pacific said is that we all have this ability because we do it every day when we worry. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's sort of like negative meditation. It's sort of a negative meditation is worrying, you know. So you don't want to flip that around. So we can choose to have more joy in our life. And, again, I'm just going to kind of hit on a couple of the things. Your top five? My top five. but. And what I heard from other people this week, in terms of what brought, brings them joy, and I think you know, for all of the grandparents out there, I heard a lot. I heard from a lot of you saying, "My small grandchildren bring me a lot of joy," and I think that's because they're playful. Mm-hmm. So playfulness, encouraging that playfulness in all of us, it brings back that childlike play, mm-hmm. brings us joy, you know. And in this hot weather, if you don't have a swimming pool, you know, turn on the sprinkler and run through it, and yeah. maybe you'll feel that giggly joy you did as a kid. You know, we make our own fun. We make our own joy. We create. We we choose how we want our life to be, and we can choose to 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 dwell on the negative. And then what happens when you do that is you get more of those kinds of right. issues. When you when you dwell on the positive things that are working and the joyful things in your life.
1: I also like the better. idea you had to do a good deed. I love that. I think that is a wonderful way to bring joy into your life and somebody else's. So,
0: right. So I think maybe that's what we're going to leave you all with today. Is Do a good deed this week and bring somebody else some joy, which will also bring you joy. And want to thank you for joining us. And remember, you can find a podcast of this and all Healing Quest shows on our website at HealingQuest.tv or on KFBK.com or on the iHeartRadio
1: app. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst.
0: And I'm Judy Brooks. We look forward to having you with us next week on Healing Quest right here on KFBK and iHeartRadio. Have a great week and do a good deed.